Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. On our program tonight, the push for a plan. Federal officials provide more details about the vaccine rollout plan for Canada. On a day when the House debates a Conservative motion demanding detailed COVID-19 vaccination plans within the next two weeks. I'll speak with the Minister of Procurement, Anita Anand, about the latest developments. As cases soar in the province of Alberta, that province looks to field hospitals and the Red Cross for help. How did it get to this point? And our panel of party commentators drill down on the COVID-19 response. And we'll begin tonight with some new details on the federal government's plan for rolling out COVID-19 vaccines when they become available. And when they become available is still a bit of a question mark in this country. Health Canada experts say the Pfizer vaccine could be approved within the next 10 days. A lot of those things that need to be in place really depend on the company's willingness, ability, um, and the availability of supply to do that. So at this point in time, we're really looking at the review process, the authorization, and simultaneously, the companies are working through their scale-up and all of their manufacturing um, issues, if they have any, and uh, figuring out which supplies, which lots might come to Canada and, and um, in what quantities and what time. So that's why we don't have those precise dates yet. But Health Canada approval soon for the Pfizer vaccine. In fact, today, the Canadian General Coordinating Vaccine Distribution, he said the first vaccine will arrive in early January for distribution later that month and that he's conducting dry run exercises to prepare for distribution. In the case of Pfizer, the company will deliver the vaccine doses directly to pre-positioned sites across Canada, at least one in every province, where ultra-cold freezers will be waiting to store the vaccine for distribution to vaccine centres. Eventually, there will be 205 vaccine centres across the country. This gives you a sense uh, that in December, uh, we're hard at it in the next couple of weeks to ensure that we are ready uh, and, um, and I, I kind of like the idea of uh, being ready before the Christmas uh, time frame so that we're certain to be ready when it comes in January. Anita Anand is the Federal Minister of Procurement. She has been leading Canada's purchase of vaccine supply and the other supplies needed to distribute it to Canadians across the country. Minister Anand, first of all, good to see you again. Thanks for taking time to speak with me. Great to see you too. So look, we now have received more detail about the vaccine rollout in a briefing we got today from uh, federal officials. Uh, still lots of questions though, so let's walk through some of those. The general leading the rollout uh, of logistics today, Danny Forte, said he's looking at vaccines arriving from Pfizer in the first week of January. Can you confirm that date? Is that what we're looking at now? Well, of course, we're working closely with General Fortin, the Public Health Agency of Canada and the provinces and territories uh, on this rollout. From a procurement standpoint, we are working with a Q1 of 2021 timeframe and certainly deliveries will occur within that time. We also need to make sure that we have the provinces ready to receive the vaccines. And so General Fortin and others are going to be leading a stress testing exercise with them. Uh, but certainly we're working for the earliest possible deliveries within the first quarter of 2021. Right. So that th those numbers have been out there, 6 million doses from Pfizer and, and likely Moderna uh, between January and, the, and, and March. Uh, but the general is being more precise than that today. He's talking first week of January. 
Is that what you know to be the case? Well, let me just take you back to our contracts, Peter, that are contingent on Health Canada approval of the vaccines. And so my preference is to ensure that we're abiding by the contracts, waiting for Health Canada approval, and then specifying the delivery time after that approval has been forthcoming. Fair. Okay, so let's let's work with that then. Health Canada, uh, uh, the lead uh, uh, medical advisor at Health Canada is, is saying now, sometime in the next 10, uh, 10 days or so, within the next 10 days, Health Canada should be approving the Pfizer vaccine. So if that's the case, take us 10 days out. And then what happens on day 11? Well, what happens on day 11 is that we firm up the delivery schedule with Pfizer and we ensure that the provinces and territories are indeed ready to accept the doses. And then we begin rolling the vaccines out as soon as possible thereafter. It is a very complex procedure. As you can imagine, these Pfizer vaccines must be stored at minus 75 degrees Celsius. We're putting in place uh, refrigeration contracts for 126 freezers in particular. And we are also ensuring that we have an end-to-end logistics provider in place to assist with the distribution effort. So this is a immunization right. process that has never occurred before in our country. And we've got to make sure we have all the pieces in place so that the rollout does go smoothly. But you, you know the question everybody wants to know is when. And I know there's some, some difficulties in pinning that down. But here again today now we have the, the, the general who's leading the logistical part of all this saying he's ready for, he's looking at January, first week of January. Jason Kenney said he's been told by federal officials it's January 4th. What, what day is it? Well, I appreciate that there is that uh, precision that is being requested at the current time. But I just want to be clear that I base my responses to you and everyone else on the contracts that we've put in place. And those contracts at the current time are A, contingent on Health Canada approval, and B, ensuring that we have the pieces in place to safely execute delivery. And those two things have not yet occurred. They are occurring and they will be in place. But we have to be careful to make sure we're providing accurate information. Okay, yeah. I, and, and I want to I make sure we're doing the same thing. So let's walk that uh, uh, along a little bit because I think maybe we're getting uh, to a, a useful place for Canadians. So uh, based on what you've just said, you know, it's hard to pin down a date because we want to make sure we're ready to accept the doses, if I hear you correctly. The general, yeah, the general, the, the general said today, if I can, the general said today uh, that he's he's working on making sure logistics are in place by December 14th. So that's a pretty short timeline. Uh, he talked about the fact there will be uh, 14 ultra cold freezers, one in at least every province in the country uh, in that next two week to one month timeline. If all that's in place, is it your view that you can go to Pfizer and say, look, if you have doses for us now, we want them now first week of January. We're ready. We're speaking with the vaccine manufacturers uh, every day, Peter, to impress upon them how important it is for us to have deliveries as soon as possible in the first quarter of 2021. So yes, we are in touch with them on that basis. And is that a is that a real is that part of the conversation first week of January? Most definitely, but the reason that I'm not 
providing an exact date, Peter, is because there is uncertainty right now in the framework in terms of what date in particular Health Canada approves and what date in particular the stress testing has occurred to ensure that each and every province and territory is prepared and ready to accept doses of a very complex and fragile uh, type of vaccine that we need to make sure we treat carefully. And that stress, stress testing you talk about is what uh, the general talked about today, right? Tabletop exercises, dry runs in the provinces uh, to make sure that, uh, because what's, what's kind of different about this, Moderna will deliver vaccines when they're ready uh, to one uh, point of drop in Canada. Uh, Pfizer is different, right? Pfizer is going to deliver these directly to, to each province, to these point of delivery points in the province. So that needs to be ready. Exactly. And the provinces have been asked to provide the delivery locations to the Public Health Agency of Canada, and that process is underway. So it's very much a collaborative exercise between the Public Health Agency of Canada and the provinces and territories. Information needs to be provided to PHAC in order for PHAC to ensure that the country will be ready to accept doses when that time comes. You talked about the 126 freezers on order. Um, do you know at this point whether that's going to be enough? Is that 126 freezers, presumably several of them, more than one of them in each of these uh, sites in, in the provinces, uh, have you got enough or is there more on order? Sure. Let me give you some more details about our cold storage capacity. Um, we have secured 126 Panasonic and thermal scientific freezers for ultra frozen and frozen um, vaccine storage. We have 100 minus 20 degree freezers and 26 minus 80 degree freezers. 42 of them have already been delivered and received. And those deliveries are continuing and depending on the unit, each freezer can hold between 96,000 and 280,000 doses. This is in addition to eight minus 80 freezers that have been leased and existing federal capacity. So all told, we have the capacity to store 33.5 million doses of vaccines. And this should be sufficient. Of course, we are also procuring dry ice and we are exploring what freezer capacity the provinces themselves may have to okay. supplement the existing federal capacity. Just want to finish on this. Uh, the, uh, the House is debating a motion from the Conservatives supported by the other opposition parties to compel you to produce a plan uh, a detailed vaccine plan on distribution on uh, who gets vaccinated first and to do that uh, by December 16th. Uh, will you uh, abide by that? Well, listen, our goal is to ensure that this country is ready for the rollout of a vaccine. And so with regards to the question that you've asked, uh, the National Advisory Committee on Immunization is providing guidance, but it's very much in the hands of the provinces and territories to decide which aspects and which parts of their population they wish to see immunized first. Well, with the recommendations, of course, from the NACI, as well as the Public Health Agency of Canada. But as you know, constitutionally, the provinces have the jurisdiction over the distribution of health services, and that is within their conduct and jurisdiction. All right, Minister Anita Annan, thanks so much for your time again today. Good to speak with you. Great to speak with you, Peter. Take care.
Well, let's turn now to the province of Alberta, which has become the worst COVID hotspot in Canada these days. It continues to lead the country in the highest number of active cases per capita. Let's take you out to Alberta now. The provincial government asking the federal government, along with the Red Cross, for as many as four field hospitals to deal with soaring cases. Let's bring in uh, Professor Craig Jenny from uh, University of Calgary. He's a, an infectious disease specialist. He's with me now. Good to see you, uh, Professor Jenny. Thanks for taking the time today. Glad uh, to be with you. What is happening in Alberta? Well, we're seeing uh, day after day and week after week of rising viral cases. And, and unfortunately, that's leading to increased hospitalizations, increased ICU admissions, and, and tragically, uh, loss of, of life over the last several weeks here in Alberta. Okay, uh, we have the, the, the Premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, uh, looking at possibly turning to the federal government and the Red Cross to try and uh, develop a uh, plan for four field hospitals, as many as four field hospitals. Um, what does that say to you? Well, it, it clearly shows the province is preparing for increased patient burden. Now, you know, we, we can't imagine we'd be asking the federal government for additional resources unless the risk was real. So either based on current numbers and modeling from the current infection rate or accurate data from the actual hospital occupancy and current strain on the resources, we know that as we move forward, there is a chance we will exceed our capacity to treat patients with the current infrastructure. So there's a plan put in place if needed to build additional bed space for the mild to moderate cases. So does that suggest to you that it's, uh, as the Premier says, look, this, this is just prudent planning, we have to look at all options? Or do you think that's, that's where Alberta's headed? Well, I mean, it could be both. I think it's important to have that capacity if needed, but the fact that we're even in this situation is the very concerning part. We have seen week after week of rising cases, and we have seen the the government try to bring in some restrictions, but unfortunately, they, they at this point, have not succeeded in, in flattening the curve. Um, we brought in new restrictions about a week ago, and so far the early data is that the curve, again, is not slowing. Uh, so we have to be prepared for uh, an, an inevitable increase in hospitalizations. Unfortunately, people that are infected today, they're not the ones in the hospital. They, those people will start to arrive at the hospital two to three weeks from now. So rising numbers now, we know that the, the hospitalizations are going to go up. The question is how far. What can you tell me about the current strain in uh, on hospitals in Alberta right now? Are they managing to cope? Are they close to the line? Well, our, our front care health, our frontline health workers are, are just amazing people. I, I do not understand or, or know how they keep going. Uh, we have been near capacity for weeks now. They've been unbelievably creative and resourceful in finding additional resources and, and space. Uh, but we also know they're exhausted. Um, anybody that's had to work in personal protective equipment knows how stressful, how tiring that is. And unfortunately, because it's a virus, it not only uh, targets patients, uh, hospital workers are exposed. Frontline healthcare workers are exposed. They too could get sick, and and even if they're not uh, virally infected, they may have to self-isolate because they've been exposed. And this really depletes the workforce and puts excessive strain on those that are are still in the workplace. I think that does that does you know raise a, uh, a clearly a, a another challenge that would face the province. Right? It's one thing if you can go if you need to turn to four field hospitals, uh, you still have a staffing issue. I mean, you have to staff those hospitals, and I guess to some extent the Red Cross might be able to help do that. But uh, at some point, the, the hospital challenge becomes, as you pointed, right, a, a pandemic staffing challenge, and that takes 
it takes Alberta, if that were to happen, to a whole different place in terms of uh, problems, right? Yeah, and, and that one is a little less predictable than than physical space, right? We, we, we see the infection rates, so we know approximately how much physical space will be needed in the coming weeks. But an outbreak or two outbreaks can have a, a massive impact on the HR availability. And, and that is a very dynamic number, and that is much more difficult to plan, other than we simply know where we are today is already straining the system. So, so many more problems are, are, are going to really challenge our ability to have uh, adequate staff for not only the, the current beds, but any expanded beds. I think two questions kind of go uh, in lockstep when people look at this and say, um, you know, uh, I guess in a lot of ways, you know, how did, we, how did we get to this point? And the other part of that is, was it preventable? Is this, was, uh, did Alberta have to be in this situation? Yeah, I mean, th these are really tough to answer because what we do know about the virus is that there's never one answer. There's never one simple solution that where we are today is a combination of probably a lot of little things. Unfortunately, I, I think the real tragedy here is that unlike what happened in April and May, we knew this was coming, right? We were no longer really guessing about the virus. Early on in the pandemic, where a number of centers had to potentially look at expanding hospital capacity, we simply didn't know what the pandemic was doing. We did not understand the dynamics of this virus. We've now had nine months or more, and, and the cases in Alberta, as well as Ontario and Quebec, have been growing for the last couple months and growing at almost a predictable rate. So th this is really the unfortunate part, is that this should not be a surprise to anybody, that we have seen it coming, and through the various measures we've brought in, they have not been successful in limiting the spread and containing the outbreak. So uh, let me finish on this then. Are, are there... Um I guess, more stringent measures that can be adopted now that can try and arrest this? Or is it now predetermined to travel a certain course now, even with new restrictions? Yeah. So unfortunately, it's a bit of both. Um, things like hospitalizations and ICU, many of the, the, the patients in the coming weeks are already predetermined. Those are people that are infected now. Um, what we do need to get ahead of is this rising case number. And in particular, we do understand that there's a significant threat with the holiday season coming. After Labor Day, after Thanksgiving, we saw spikes. We saw increased numbers uh, of patients. And, and unfortunately, we have no reason to believe that the upcoming holidays through December are going to be any different. When people gather indoors, gathering groups, virus numbers go up. The, the question is, can we bring in any additional measures right now to limit that? And, and how far are we willing to go? Um, we do have to keep in mind that we have to balance not only the virus, but all other aspects of healthcare. And that's something that, again, I think we're slowly losing traction on where we are now delaying and deferring surgeries for other patients as well as COVID. All right. Uh, lots to deal with in the province of Alberta as the rest of the country uh, deals with COVID-19 as well. But uh, Professor Jenny, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Let's bring in now our panel of party commentators. Susan Smith is a Liberal commentator. Kate Harrison is a Conservative commentator. And Anne McGrath is an NDP commentator. Good to see you all. Hope everybody's doing well as we continue to have a national conversation here around the COVID-19 pandemic and the government's response. Susan, let me start with you here. The Conservatives put a motion before the House today supported by the other opposition parties, and they'll probably pass it in the House when it gets voted on next week. They want more details about the vaccination plan for Canada, and then poof, just like that, we get a news conference today with health and military officials with more details about the plan. 
But look, it included the deputy chief uh, public health officer, Howard News, saying that, look, Canadians shouldn't be so fixated on a date for the vaccine arriving in Canada, but rather on the fact that the government is getting prepared for when it does arrive. What do you think of that statement? I think it's actually designed to turn the temperature down a bit. These vaccines haven't been approved yet, so therefore we don't know what date and exact what time that vaccine is going to roll out. But I think what's important is knowing that there is a plan to get it rolled out. I'm, for one, am pleased that the military are involved. We as Canadians at the provincial level know how to roll out vaccines. We roll out flu vaccines every year to our people. What we haven't done is roll out something as urgently on such a national scale, though I would argue that the, um, I think it was the H1N1 vaccine we managed to get out to people. I'm happy that the military are there, but to be fixated on a start date, I don't think is irresponsible. And I'm disappointed actually in the Conservatives in particular about dialing up the rhetoric and therefore the worry of people around this. All right, let's bring in Kate. I think we can be confident that we're going to be able to get it out to people. It has to get approved. It has to be safe. Okay. And then we'll get it into the arms and shoulders of the people that need it. Kate Harrison, the Conservative motion calls for, like I say, a more detailed plan by December 16th. We heard the Canadian general say today he expects the vaccine will be here by early January, distributed by the end of uh, Canadians getting vaccine uh, vaccinated by the end of January. Uh, the Minister of Procurement, when I spoke to her earlier on our program, wouldn't be pinned down on that date again. Is the date important or are we obsessing or fixated about that, as Dr. News suggests? I think the date is important considering that our allies around the world have dates uh, that they're rolling out already. Um, we know that you can already register in the UK uh, for a COVID vaccination as of December 12th. Uh, so I, I think it's important in relation to the fact that other countries are able to provide dates and ours has been a moving target. Uh, it also has not been helpful to have different ministers provide different dates and timelines all the time. Uh, back in the summer, the Prime Minister alluded to the fact that Canada would be able to produce a quarter of a million vaccines domestically by the end of November. Uh, obviously, that did not come to fruition. So I do think that uh, a date and clear timelines are important because it's happening around the world and the government so far hasn't been consistent in terms of the dates they have provided. What do you think about this, Anne? Uh, as we learn a little bit more information, it's it's still it's a little bit surprising to me that we still have different dates floating around at their approximations from government officials, and yet we have a, a military general today saying he says it's going to arrive the first week of January and start being distributed. Jason Kenney says he's been told it's coming the first week of January. Um, what about those mixed messages? Well, I think mixed messages have been a problem all the way along. But let me say, first of all, the date is important. Uh, I think that is what people are talking about. Uh, people are looking for a light at the end of the tunnel, as, as has been said. And the tunnel seems to be getting longer and longer. So I think the date is important, but it's not the only thing that's important. The other thing that's important is what the plan is. So, uh, you know, uh, Susan mentioned a plan, and I think that is really what, what Canadians are hoping for, is a plan. And there doesn't seem to be one. We don't know when it's arriving. We don't know which ones. We don't know who's going to get it. We don't know how it's going to be managed, whether it's going to be provincially or how it's going to be done that way. So I think that there is a, there's, there are too many questions out there. People have already been through a lot. There's been a lot of tragedy, a lot of anxiety. People want to know that there's a plan to get that vaccine out so that they can uh, basically start life again, start life yeah. over or, you know, get things, get things going again. And I think that so I think there's a whole bunch of questions around this. And I sure. think that that, that that's that's not scare. That's not fear-mongering to say that. That is what people are talking about. Susan, Susan, go ahead, jump in. 
The, the one thing I, I, I mean, I hear people wanting a date, Peter, but to say January 1st, that's not going to be you or me that's going to get it on January 1st. That's not going to be the population at large, if that's in fact the case. So while the government works on when the vaccine, the vaccine is going to be approved and safe, deemed safe for Canadians, while it gets um, a more concrete schedule of when we will actually have our hands in the vaccine, like literally our military are planning to get on planes and go get it, uh, I think that's a good thing. Until we have some of those details, I think it's irresponsible to put a date out there. Okay. The other thing is, from an expectation management perspective and an anxiety management perspective for people, if you say January 1, everybody will start to think it's them January 1 and not frontline workers or not seniors in care homes. Well, I'm not sure. I mean, and, I think, I think that it pushes those, things out. So I think I think the message the message can be more detail. The message can on, be communicated. The when? message can be communicated to people that it's going to be phased in and stepped in. I think people will get that. But uh, I think Kate, people are Kate, expecting that. That's what people expect. They yeah. expect that there will be certain uh, groups that will get it first. And, and that is to be sure. expected. Other countries have that plan on their website. And it says when it says who it says how. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure too many Canadians would, you know, how upset Canadians would be if they found out it was going to the most vulnerable Canadians first and frontline workers. I think people get that. But Kate, let me ask you about something else here. Aaron O'Toole refused today to criticize one of his MPs and uh, look, a, a former leadership candidate and Derek Sloan, who sponsored a petition to be presented to the House calling the COVID vaccines human experimentation and suggesting regulators are bypassing safety protocols. Should Aaron O'Toole condemn his own MP for posting uh, for for support? and uh, and sponsoring that petition? Yeah, all, all MPs should be focused right now on getting as many people to take the vaccine uh, as possible uh, and not distracted by uh, these types of, of petitions. Uh, so I, I think it's regrettable that, that Sloan has put his name to this. Uh, what I do think is a valid concern uh, and it's not one that's just held by Derek Sloan, is, is there will be a number of Canadians who are skeptical about getting vaccinated. Um, and and that, is not, uh, that is not good for Canada. Those people exist on the right of the spectrum, the left of the spectrum, uh, everywhere it's generational in some cases. Uh, and, and he appears to be letting his voice to some of those, uh, some of those concerns. So yeah. while I think that it's, it's unhelpful uh, to have uh, a member of parliament not singing from the same song sheet of trying to make sure as many people are vaccinated as possible, because that's how we get vaccinated back to normal life, uh, it would be uh, premature, it would not be cognizant to recognize uh, that that is a concern that a number of Canadians will have. Perhaps it's it's the one that many don't agree with, but yeah. it is a concern what, that, what, that some will have. What do you think about this, Anne? Well, I think that this is a problem for Aaron O'Toole's leadership, because um, I don't know how far and wide this is going to go, but people are looking at uh, at his first few days and, you know, he's he's by and large had a fairly successful rollout of his leadership. But his uh, his ability to control some of those things in his caucus is going to be a problem for him. And I think people will be looking at that and will be making judgments on what kind of leadership he because he's he's got a message that is, I think, trying to appeal to a broader uh, group, a broader group than than he was able to get in, than they were able to get in the last uh, couple of elections. Right. But you can't do that if you have somebody uh, that is not being managed really in your caucus that is able to do. Susan, these to some extent, Derek Sloan says, "Look, I, I sort of looked at the preamble, but in some respects, suggesting you know that uh, there are concerns in the land. Uh, people bring petitions to MPs. It's the job of MPs to present them. Does that fly with this argument?" 
I think, uh, no. Uh, Aaron O'Toole should have smacked down Derek Sloan. And that was your original question. And Anne's right. From a leadership perspective, that's a huge problem for Aaron O'Toole. He's trying to position himself as the prime minister in waiting. He's the mad, the leader of Her Majesty's loyal opposition. And he cannot, he did not firmly sanction and smack down uh, Derek Sloan. You can say that you, you can acknowledge that people have concerns uh, about vaccines, but you know, vaccines are safe and he should have absolutely squashed that. This is par for the course for Derek Sloan, but uh, Aaron O'Toole definitely needs to demonstrate what kind of leader he's going to be. And he seems to be tolerating stuff that isn't safe for Canadians. Caucus members pushing things forward that aren't safe for Canadians. Just a quick comment, Kate, because our time is short. Yeah, I'm sure that a lot of people signing the petition also feel that uh, their their concerns are being silenced. And I'm not sure that uh, smacking Sloan down, removing him from caucus or or whatever uh, action could be taken. I think that that would just really add fuel to the fire of those that suggest that their criticisms aren't being taken seriously. I don't think he needs to be kicked out of caucus for that. I mean, I'm sure there'll be something along the way. See, this is where I have to jump in and I have to shut things down. I have to do that now because we're out of time. But thank you all. Great to see you all again. And we'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you. Likewise. Take care. And that's all the time we have for another edition of Primetime Politics. From all of us here at CPAC, thanks for watching. Take care. We'll see you next time.